Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome almost to 2022. And with our favorite co-host, the person you've been missing for the past few months to discuss what happened in 2021, welcome, Hillary. <laughs> Hi. I know. It's been a long time. I'm so happy to be back. Well, we're happy to have you back. You know, we, uh, we kind of get gets a little boring, gets a little ho-hum here, but with your cheery demeanor, it's like, yeah, we're back in action, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. This is literally my favorite time of year. I love talking about all the FKTs, all the crazy things that people have gotten into um, in kind of a year where, where things have been a bit back to normal with racing. Um, but yeah, I think it's been so cool to see all these little new routes pop up in fast times. Right. Well, speaking of racing, you, uh, you've you come back, baby. You really came back. <laughs> you won the Madeira race. When was that? Like a month and a half ago? Uh, November 20th was when it was. Yeah. I mean, I had a, you know, unexpected year uh, breaking my foot in April. I was training for my own little kind of FKT, um, uh, you know, Everstein and Green Mountain um, for my book launch. But then... I broke my foot and I kind of had a different year of recovery. So um, thankfully, Madeira was shifted to November instead of April. And I was able to go there and race and it turned out pretty well. I'd say a win is pretty well. <laughs> and that was a strong field. Yeah. You beat some big names. Yeah. So, um, I mean, and I usually like to kind of start a bit more conservatively, um, you know, put myself in a good position and then, you know, see what I could do. But this race, I just, I started from the... I started leading from the gun, and I just kind of kept on pushing all day long. So that was a that was a really fun experience. That's a winning is a fun experience. <laughs> you know, it was quite painful too to add that in there. <laughs> Interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you can't win a race without digging deep. No, mm -mm. but I would say like um, all of the just mentally, I think this year had prepared me well. So. Well, the broken foot, uh, we didn't get to do any training for unbound gravel, did we? Oh, my I mean, gosh. This, this is like, what's with you? I mean, so you break your foot in April, and you're coming in with the world's most classic gravel bike race. I mean, it's it's like the world championship of gravel racing. It's out in Kansas, of all places. But it's a legit course. Oh, yeah. That's a stiff course. It's not to be trifled with. The Flint Hills. Oh, yeah. And normally you and I are going to do a few rides, but you had a broken foot. You couldn't do it. And then you show up anyway, kind of off the couch, and I never saw you. <laughs> I mean, the gun goes off. You were gone. I never, I didn't see you till the next day. Yeah. I'm sorry, Buzz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You're, I can tell you're just really crying about this. Uh, well, I mean, uh, I mean to more backstory, not, this is not meant to make you feel bad, but I, I was five weeks on crutches. I, I couldn't do anything. I was doing you know, I could not even put my foot down. So I was kind of doing everything on, on one leg, a bunch of PT. Um, and I got cleared to start weight bearing two weeks before Unbound. And so, of course, um, you know, I see the doctor on a Tuesday. Then that weekend, I wanted to go out and see uh, if I could actually ride my bike. So I did some crazy like 10 hour loop in the mountains. And then I was like, well, okay, I guess I'm ready for Unbound. And Unbound was the next weekend. <laughs> But it's technical. Like people think, I mean, first right. when I was thinking Kansas, it's got to be, yeah. it's, they changed the course this year too. 2019 is when I first did it. 
And they added this little section kind of over by the oasis. So it was really dry and kind of had like maybe 50 miles in between aid. And um, this is really in the Flint Hills, but it was very, very like chunky, very big rocks. And I think they had a lot of rain. So all the little debris had gone off. And so you're just left with these huge rocks. <laughs> so many people were getting flats. It was carnage. It was. <laughs> I managed to stay upright. I was very proud. <laughs> Oh, wait, 100, 100 miles of a headwind, the last oh, half. Oh, the headwind. It was <laughs> it was a hot headwind. Oh, God. It was, uh, the temperatures, I think, in the low 90s. Mm-hmm. The wind was 20 to 25. Mm-hmm. There was full sun. It, it, I'd never seen anything like it. So the first 100 miles, you know, people are getting after it. Yeah. A little too much, actually. Yeah. Because like you say, you come down to the, across these gullies. You're going barreling down this hill. Yeah. You're, you're motoring down this little hill, and then there's this water crossing at the bottom. <laughs> With a canal. <laughs> I literally, it? I was so proud. I think, Buzz, maybe you taught me this. I bunny hopped over a you canal. Did <laughs> you did it. I, yeah. Oh, glad to hear that. Yeah, because I saw skid marks. I was like, Hillary, don't fall, because you see like water bottles and skid marks. You're like, someone's <laughs> okay. definitely wiped out here. Maybe a few people. <laughs> right. There's, that's so funny to bring this back, because there are, there's just water bottles all over the place that bounce off and of course you were ahead of me so you weren't seeing all the people by the side of the road fixing flats i, mean, <laughs> I saw be plenty. Like six people fixing flats yeah i mean people are just like oh come on like and actually i cannot believe it but i did not have a single mechanical during this race the first year i did it i of course did but this year i don't know what it was <laughs> mm-hmm. well there's a technique to this yeah. tony mentioned this you know he Tony Kropitschka did it the same year mm. you did it a couple years ago. And I said, say, what's up with these? And mm. he said, it's legit, Buzz. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. So I had to upsize my tires. I'm normally the light and quick type guy. But no, I went with the biggest tire I could get, yeah. which really helps. I was on actually a 38 the first year I did it. Um, and then this year, I think I was on, I was also on a pair of 38s. Um, I wanted to kind of go up to 44s, but because I like the bigger tires. But I figured since... You know, it's mostly flat, so you're trying to go a little bit faster. So I did run a risk there. But for me, it's all about the pressure. I don't care if it's a little bit uncomfortable. I'll pump them up more <laughs> so I don't flat. <laughs> Interesting. Well, like you say, you're going through the you know the first half and things are going okay, except people are, you know, crashing and fixing flats and so forth. But that heat just went up. And so you're going up the hill. And at first, you start to see people pushing the bike up the hill. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So I'm seeing people getting off, pushing the bike. Then I'm seeing people kind of standing off to the side. And by the time we were around 120, people were just flopped out. I mean, <laughs> they were off their bikes. They were laying down in the shade of whatever tree they could yeah. find. There'd be like 20 people just laying down on the side of the hill. I saw that too. It was, uh, I mean, it, it was so hot. And coming from, you know, this is what, the first weekend in June. So, you know, coming from Colorado, we've barely even had a hot day. So, you know, I was not heat trained. Um, so I, there was a lot of suffering. In fact, the one of, one of these hills, I refused to get off. I refused to hike. I wanted to like, and these hills, like they're steep. I was in my smallest gear. Um, and I remember supposedly it was this, it was this guy from Boulder actually. Um, and he was tucked in behind me in this hundred mile, like this headwind. 
And so wait, wait, he was drafting you. Oh yeah. He was drafting me and he would not get ahead of me. He would, I kept on going off to the side, let him to go ahead to take a pull. He would not. <laughs> he wouldn't take the pull. And so I was in a horrible spot because I was, you know, I hadn't been on my bike. I hadn't been able to exercise. So I was in a, I was just trying to survive. And I started crying because that's what you do, apparently. <laughs> and I just start crying and I'm just like, you know, like just ugly tears. And this guy behind me is like, are you okay? Like, do you, you know, and then finally he went in front of me to take a pull and then he was going slow. He slowed me down. So I, I continued <laughs> to cry and I passed him and then I dropped him while I was crying. And he was like, what is going on? And the, the funniest part is, is that I ran, him to, ran into him two weeks later at Gold Hill in Boulder. <laughs> Really? And he remembered me. I bet he did. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> he had a lot to remember. Yeah. Well, that's interesting how that goes because yeah. he, working together really helps. Yeah. Oh, it does. But I mean, even speaking of um, cycling, I think kind of my success at Madeira, it was a lot of doing to the bike. I mean, I was I was on the bike a lot this year. I actually tried bike packing this year. I did this cool little loop um, in the Arkansas Valley combined. I did my own little spin on it. Um, rode about, it was like 260 miles and um, linked together six 14ers. And I ran the 14ers and then continued on my bike. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think that's, it's been so cool to experience different things on the bike this year. Well, this is good. This is a good topic because in the past we've explored schemo. Right. right? So it's a, people got into ski mountaineering a number of years ago, some of the top Ultra runners, we mentioned Tony, he did a little bit. Of course, Footy's done quite a bit, mm -hmm. Crar's done quite a bit. Yeah. But now gravel is kind of the cross-training thing. I mean, road cycling is like... Eh, Not fun. <laughs> do you really want to get hit by a car? <laughs> and on mountain biking, do you really want to break your collarbone? Right. But gravel cycling is this nice in-between where it's technical. Mm -hmm. you, know, you have to be decent on a bike. Right. But there's minimal traffic. Mm -hmm. And it kind of works well with ultra running doesn't it i mean i love it i i kind of discovered the bike through a bunch of injuries and i've stuck with it because it's just so it's so fun it's a different pace and then it's kind of opened up a different world of you know training but also i think fkts we've, we've seen that here you know multi-sport i think typically a lot of fkt multi-sport is like climbing or scrambling and running but I mean, even, you know, like the Boulder triathlon, um, I mean, I've done the Boulder biathlon, I guess, just like riding my bike to longs and then running the peak and coming back. Um, I might've like splashed in a Creek to try to, cause I don't climb, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think it's awesome. I think it's re it really suits well to ultra runners because especially this, you know, old, like what dirty cans out where now it's called unbound is 200 miles, right? So it's these long, these long distance events, but bike is pretty nice on the body oh man we could talk about this for the next three podcasts literally. <laughs> yeah i mean it's at unbound i was you know i just flamed out with the heat i said okay i'm gonna soft pedal this mm -hmm. so i went into the death march mode and here's a here's a good point i really was happy about this there's technique to the death march oh yeah you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You see some people like weaving. Don't weave. You don't <laughs> need to weave back and forth. Or some people like stopping and starting, stopping and starting. No, 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 no. Death March is honorable technique. It's a good technique to have in your quiver. So mm -hmm. I said, okay, I'm going to hit a sustainable pace. I'm going to put a smile on my face. I'm going to just keep turning over the pedals. Mm -hmm. And then the sun goes down and you're 
I came back. So I finished when, you know, people were rolling up the carpet, you know. I guess like, there was no cheering throngs, Hillary. No. I mean, I mean, there's no confetti ticker tape parade for me. It's like people were going home. It was at <laughs> night. Buzz, you should have called me. I would have come out there and put the, the finishing tape for you. Well, I think you were, well, thank you. I appreciate that. You'd probably been in bed for like eight hours by that time. A <laughs> little, no. less, little less than that. <laughs> but, uh, so I survived by... Uh, getting some pizza from leftover pizza that they're throwing away. Oh. And then I went into the fountain, the fountain in oh front of the gosh. bank. Yes. Figured, well, there's not a lot of people up right now, so I just got in the fountain to hose myself off and went to sleep in the back of my car. Yeah, because we I had a place, and I was like, Buzz, You had a house. I know, where's Buzz? I was like, Buzz, you, yeah. you, you've got to come. And I was like, seeing where you were, and then I, you told me that you got in the fountain. She's like, I don't need a shower. It's like, <laughs> okay, are you sure? <laughs> okay, uh, well, this is how it all rolls, doesn't it? Yeah, but I mean, they think that's, the, that's, that's what endurance sports are, whether it's on a bike or running. I mean, even in Madeira, there was a bit of that kind of like, okay, like you're hitting a, a low point. What can you do to just keep on, right. you know, going forward and put yourself into a better mental space when, you know, because it will eventually come. You're totally right. Yeah. In a in a marathon, no. I mean, mm. if you fall off the path, you're not getting back on. No. And anything shorter than that. But in any type of an ultra event, you can come back. Mm-hmm. You can feel better. You can make yeah. a comeback. Which is, I think it's so incredible. It's really cool to see in real time what the body can do and the mind also. I mean, okay, this is... Oh, here it comes. No, there's also... <laughs> I mean, so a good friend of mine, Rob, I was actually... So this year I did... Um, I actually finally did the rim to rim to rim. I have never oh, done it before. Nice. And so I've obviously been to the Grand Canyon, done a bunch of kind of single day adventures on the South Rim, but never had revisited the North Rim since when I was a kid and hiking there. But of course, Rob Krar, he's, you know, he goes into the canyon all the time. And so he was scouting this thing called um, the Tonto Trail. He did. He just accomplished it about five days ago. The FKT got submitted. Yes. And it's so, it was so gnarly, like seeing him. I know I've been on part of the Tonto Trail, but there's parts of that canyon that are just so remote. And, you know, and I remember Rob, I was going to initially go out there and, and help him, but I, I couldn't make it out there. But he had a spreadsheet of like an A, B, and C goal and everything went to shit. And he even finished, you know, an hour slower than his quote unquote C goal. Oh, dang. Because it's just, it was such a it's, remote trail. It's the real deal. It's the real deal. And so like you just see like photos and videos of Rob posting, he's just going to the well. <laughs> <laughs> and and for Rob, the well is deep. Oh, it's so deep. But, I mean, you know, I was so impressed. Because I mean, his... for other people, the well is like a little puddle. <laughs> but for Rob Carr, the well is like 100 feet down. You can't even see the bottom. It's Yeah, it's like the double Grand Canyon. Maybe that's why he goes to the canyon so much. But he said he was at the well, and then, like, he had to dig even deeper for the last 11 miles. Wow. So it was, I mean, 91 miles and 26 hours, 32 minutes, something like this. It's a... It's a, and Rob's a fast runner, but that, that's, that terrain is just, it was not fast terrain, but right. his, his Mohawk was intact though. 
<laughs> well, as long as you're doing it in good style. Exactly. I mean, style is key, right? Well, we know that about FKTs. The style matters, style right? Style matters. We're going to get to, by the way, listeners, we're going to get to the FKT. We're going to talk about FKT of the year here before we conclude this podcast. But yes, style definitely matters. Rob actually called me up before the Tonto about a month in advance mm-hmm. to talk about it. He's doing a little video on it. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how, how that comes out. This is going to be a good video for mm-hmm. what I'm hearing. Because like you say, the Tonto, well, listeners should know, Tonto is entirely on the south side, south rim of the Grand Canyon. It goes officially from the uh, South Bass Trail to the Tanner Trail. But on the Esplanade, on the Tonto Rim, as it's called, mm-hmm. which is the, the flat plateau formed by the Tapeats Sandstone. So it never goes all the way to the top. It never goes down to the river. And so it's this amazing traverse mm-hmm. of about 100 miles of the Grand Canyon. But logistically, it's problematic because it doesn't start or stop at a trailhead. So, yes. So when Rob was doing that, in order to get to the start, you have to hike down, what, six? South, South Bass. Yeah, it's a six serious miles. hike. Yeah. It's really steep, too, and pretty rutted and, and technical. But then, you know, once he ends, he still has to hike out <laughs> right. of the he canyon. Is, he still isn't anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and you say, and it was so funny because yeah, it's like oh, it sounds really appealing. It's on like you know the Tonto Plateau. It's not a plateau. It goes up and down, curving around. It's it's there's I don't remember how much elevation gain there is, but it, it, you're just, sorry, this is so funny. Because I like what you said. I called it a plateau. It is called a plateau, as you said. It's not a plateau, but relative to the Grand Canyon, yeah, it is a plateau. True, very true. <laughs> I can't wait to see the little like the GPS file so I could just zigzag up and down with all the elevation gain. <laughs> and you got to get water. Oh yeah, that's the other thing too. He had yeah. to really rely on his crew, right? And they were hiking down, you know, the water so that when they can meet him at different parts. Um, right. Oh man, I'm excited for that video. It's gonna right, be great. Right. I've done the entire Tonto Room, but never at once. And there's some uh, one of the the. The, the gym canyons, there's a whole section where it's the gym canyons. Does he talk about that? Like Sapphire Canyon, Ruby Canyon? The gem canyon is where he they had a horrible time route oh. finding, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, gee, you know more than I do. Well, it's because it was at night, I think. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, we got some <laughs> stuff to talk about in fastest known time of the year, but we'll wrap it up uh, uh our catch up here this is so fun so i'm looking at we're by the way listeners we're doing this because hillary and i both are in boulder right now we're doing this in person instead of on our podcasting software this is more fun isn't it i like this a lot better and you were the girl who almost died you, know? you were the girl who almost died now you came back you won this race you just crushed it at unbound gravel i'm looking at you in person right now i can see this little lightning scar on your forehead oh no Right, you got the little lightning yeah. bolt. The girl almost died. So you're, you're is that ch- a, is that a kind of FKT buzz? You're the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, did you just compare me to Harry Potter? I think. Um. Well, that's uh, <laughs> that's kind of was where I was going. Oh man, no, I mean, but it's it's so cool too because I think. Um, yeah, I think obviously my whole accident and recovery, it's taught me a new appreciation for sport and not only for racing, but also for, for adventuring. And I think it's really cool too. I mean, I remember when we were talking um, FKT the year before um, the pandemic happened, like this is in, you know, 2000, 2019. And I remember us saying that 2020 was going to be the year of the FKTs especially if there are no racing and like with the, with the pandemics and that it's so cool to see how FKTs have exploded not only in the US but worldwide right 
So you've been to Europe quite a bit. Yeah. You've been around. So what are you seeing? Well, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time, a, well, a year and a half in France, but even this year going back, I mean, I would think in France, I think in the iconic places, right, um, they were still able to have some races, but I think in some of the iconic places, like in the Alps, FKT culture is still huge. Um, but I was actually able to go to the UK kind of on my way home from, uh, from Madeira and FKTs are blowing up there. Yes. I mean, but I think the maybe the reason why is because they also have a culture rooted in kind of FKTs with the rounds, right? They love to do these, the Ramsey round, the Bob Graham round, like these, you know, basically that's where you link these, um, these peaks that are, you know, 3000 feet or above, um, from sea level, right? So they're not, they're not, crazy high but they're really steep and technical and they have a long history of fell running so they're you know they're combining all these things i actually got to go up into even north wales and you were in north wales this year yeah nice and snowdonia national park um and i was actually so i was in london and even everyone in london knew they're like oh you're going to north wales you've got to do the welsh 3000 oh and you're right they <laughs> they go way back in this right and it's traditionally a hiking route but then of course you know it's 15 peaks over around you know 3,000 feet or a thousand meters really technical i mean wales um the flag has a dragon on it and uh i can understand that because the mountains look like there's like dragons sleeping because it's like really spiny and just technical running um but you know runners are getting after it and 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 going and setting fkts and so i i, I see a ton of fkts popping up from the uk right good point and i love what you said about their culture going way back mm. because for example on the bob graham it's GPS is not required. Right. Someone to personally witness you is required. Yeah, it's even more old school. It's great. It's super old school. I like that. No GPS. Someone <laughs> has got to see you on each of the summits. And I like they, it. You have little cards, little physical cards. I mean, because I mean, I remember some. I mean, some people might get desperate, and there's there's a way to like hack the system and like create an, your own new fkt or like like a time stamped you know route so i mean i kind of like it maybe we should start doing that for <laughs> nolan's just kidding <laughs> that'd be, uh, the logistics would be a little <laughs> little intimidating on that i was gonna say yeah <laughs> but yeah uh of course john kelly mm -hmm. our expat is over there just crushing it yeah. in the UK, I yeah. think. Uh, he's been he's been on the podcast a couple times, yeah. and I really like what he says because he, he loves the community, mm -hmm. like what you and I were talking about. Community is really important. Yeah. And he's found a real supportive community there, mm -hmm. and he just went back on the Pennine Way, of course, with a, another nutto time. <laughs> and I think, gosh, here, I didn't catch up on this. Maybe listeners already know this, and I don't. I think he was on the Finlay round a couple days ago. In December. Oh my gosh. Right. I mean, when I was in North Wales in uh, end of November, there was snow and like just rime on all of the rocks. It was pretty, it was, it was pretty wet and typical, I think, Welsh weather, but. This is why they invented Gore-Tex. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like it. So uh, UK is very active FKT scene. Mm -hmm. um, the rest of Europe. France, I think it's a little slow. I think they kind of, they always like their own culture. They like well, their own thing. I think that's, I mean, having lived there, it is, I mean, and I think most French people would agree. I'm not trying to be uh, <laughs> I d yeah. like, um, 
rude, but, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the French culture is a little bit more closed. And even having lived there, like getting into like a big community scene for running, I don't think is really there. I think the community is really around races. The French really love races. And so um, I think maybe it'll, it's going to take a little bit of time to, to do that. But a lot of the, you know, I see people doing like even the hot route, um, like uh, Katie Scheid and Germain, they, you know, they did that for with, with running on running shoes, right? Like in the wintertime trying to cross um, some really high peaks. Um, and, but German is French, but Katie's also, you know, she's American. So there's a lot, there's still, I think, maybe some FKTs that are happening in the Chamonix Valley or maybe over in Cormier because there's a lot of expats that live there too. Um, right, right. Interesting. Well, the whole Alpinism actually was started by Brits. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean to there's, be perfectly honest. I know, there's a lot of Brits that live in Chamonix. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Look at the Matterhorn. Right, that, yeah. The famous Matterhorn climb, that's Edward Wimpier. Yeah. And then Mount Blanc, that was, you know, Brits coming over and hiring local mountain people as guides. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were the ones driving it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you'll see that. But I think the FKTs are popping up all over the world. Australia. Australia. Yeah, that's another big one. But again, I think the running community there, yeah, that's another, you know, uh, British colony. <laughs> <laughs> when they get after it down under, this is a sports mad country. Yeah. They're they love sport. Can we do some like? Is there like gonna be some like surfing, surfing combined sport at KTs? Oh, that's an interesting <laughs> thought. Right, right. Scuba diving? Yeah, I don't know. Scuba but... diving. <laughs> well, that we do, by the way, allow multi-sport in the RFKT world right now. But as long as running or hiking is more than at least fifty percent of the time, we don't measure distance; we measure it by time. Mm-hmm. So you can do a duathlon, for example, but the the running bike or the running hiking portion must be at least fifty percent. Like on Long's Peak, Mount Whitney, mm-hmm. you know, Badwater mm-hmm. Mount Whitney, that's a classic one. Yeah, I was gonna say so actually I was I don't know if I was scouting um or or kind of just doing my own like training um training block, but like I said, I did the the Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim and but talking with Rob, there's this route that's called Hole to Hump. Uh, and so you basically, the hole, which is the Grand Canyon. Um, so you basically, there's, there's this FKT or oh, this that, route. Oh, that's Humphrey's Peak. Yes. Ah. So you go, you go from, you start at the South Rim, you go down to, uh, the river, you toes in the river, <laughs> and then you run back up and then you run to Mount Humphreys. And there's actually like a gravel route, a little bit of on road, um, that you can actually run and then tag, go from like the lowest point in Arizona to the tallest point. So... I took my own spin on it, and instead of doing it in one push, I did the Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim one day. The next day, I rode my bike um, to Mount Humphreys. And Good the, call. Then the following day, I did the peak. So. Good call. You don't, you don't <laughs> want to run between the, the no. south rim to Humphreys. That's like it mm, was. Mm, it's mm. not my style. So maybe that's <laughs> what I'm going to do for maybe a single push FKTs. Ah. I could do the you know hold a hump on steroids. I don't know. <laughs> well, the, the the smart way, you know, that that flat stuff you. Get on your bike. Get on your bike. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. yeah. It's like people like Badwater. Okay, I mean Badwater's super classic. You know, Death Valley to Whitney Portal on foot, mm. but it's just misery incarnate. Well, to do it as a duathlon is, well, it's a big effort, but it's fairly reasonable. And I think also, I mean, we we're talking about style. It also makes more sense, like logistically, right? So I think you know if. For an effort like that to go from the hole to hump, just running, you have you have to do it supported because there's no water. Uh-huh. So I also think 
you know, to think about it that if you, well, if I, if I wanted to do an unsupported or a self-supported effort, I could for sure do it if I just hop on the bike for, during that section. You know, obviously you can do it a self-supported effort when you're going in the Grand Canyon because there's plenty of water. Um, but yeah, it's like, that's the kind of stuff that I also think about. Where does it make sense? And does it make sense to to put yourself through the misery running or maybe throw in a multi-sport kind of aspect? Well, this is is how we, you and at least you and I think, Peter as well, is do it make sense. We get a lot of questions, Hillary. Mm-hmm. People are writing in probably twice, maybe three times a week, trying to tease out supported, unsupported, self-supported. Right. And of course, our answer is do what works best instead of trying to game the system. So, you know okay. I mean? They're trying to figure out what style they can do to get an FKT, which I appreciate that. You want to mm-hmm. get that little badge. But gosh, if having someone meet you halfway and give you some water works best, do that. Unsupported doesn't mean it's better. It depends on the circumstance. I mean, I remember talking to you about this several times because I think style does matter. And I mean... I personally look at an unsupported or self-supported effort and I'm like, okay, they think this holds a little bit more weight, but of course how you have to kind of know the course, right? So if I'm looking, for instance, like the Colorado trail, um, if someone did that unsupported versus self-supported, I kind of would be like, <laughs> why would you do it unsupported? You're crossing through towns, like just right. stop and get some food, right? right. <laughs> so, I mean, there's, there's kind of that aspect to it. So just because it is unsupported doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's, it's better if it, like you said, makes sense. Like in Colorado Trail, you're passing through towns and it's, it's, that's where the route goes. So right. it's, it's logical to right. stop at the convenience store. Right. You're crossing Interstate 70, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, that, good call. Yeah. Good call. Depends on the route entirely. Mm-hmm. But if you have a backcountry route, then like you mm. say, supported, self-supported. That is a that's a nicer way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. So if people are hiking in to support you. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, because I, I remember we we interviewed uh, David Ayala last year for the Sierra High Route FKT. I forget which number he was voted. Maybe it's number three. Yeah, I think so. Um, and uh, you know, completely self-supported effort. But that was you know, it's it's nearly two hundred miles through the backcountry. It would not really make that much sense for someone to kind of hike in and give him a food drop. So he carried you know four days worth of food basically. Mm-hmm. And there's Kel- Kelly Helpin. Yeah, her too, exactly. For the Wind River High Route is yeah. basically a similar right. a similar route, um, but just in Wyoming in the Wind River Range. Um, she went out there just completely self-supported. There's enough water. I mean, she's traveling over glaciers, so <laughs> she can... <laughs> There's no shortage of water. <laughs> but just the food issue, right, yeah. Right. And I think what Kelly won the last year, mm-hmm. and I think people were really impressed because... Uh, I think we said this at the time, women have been endurance monsters all along, mm-hmm. you know, from Paula Radcliffe to Courtney DeWalter, et cetera. Oh, yeah. But we haven't seen a lot of solo FKTs in the high mountains. Mm-hmm. They tend to go with other people. Mm-hmm. And Kelly went off on a really high, remote, hard route solo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was impressive. It was. I know she's got another one entered this year, so <laughs> we won't talk about that yet. We won't talk about that. <laughs> and we're not going to talk about a new route I'm looking to put in in the Grand Canyon oh, next year. Oh, man. Does it involve swimming across it? Because that would terrify me. 
Well, I guess uh, oh, I'm leaving you off the invite list, apparently. Uh, that would right, be my we'll, hint. Well, just, okay, well then maybe I should start swim lessons. <laughs> Can I, is there a pool that has a strong current that I could just practice swimming across? <laughs> well, uh, unlike Rob and Mike, I'm going to wear clothes. All right, that, Buzz. That's, that's one thing I am going to say. All right. I'm, I'm going to be a soft. I'm going to be a wuss. I mean, Rob and Mike threw down on the rim to rim to rim alt style with that photo. I'll, I'll link to it in the written show notes <laughs> in case you don't remember it. But I'm, I don't got it. I'm not going to measure up to those two. I'm going to wear clothes. Well, I mean, Rob, he he got me logistically. Basically, he just didn't want to get cold, and so he thought just going naked without a wetsuit and having to struggle with taking it on and off would be more beneficial. I mean, sure, I think it would save some time. But I also just made for a great photo. <laughs> Killer photo. If we had an, an FKT of your calendar, that would be, oh. they would be Mr. December. Yes, they would. Maybe Mr. January, too. Maybe There's the two cover. of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got some stuff to look forward to, don't we? So other trends, um, like you said, FKTs are part of the sport. That's mm-hmm. the main thing to note. Yeah, it? it's if you're a sponsored athlete, you know your sponsor wants to see you win a race here and there. They want to see you get a podium, but if you get an FKT, that counts. Mm-hmm. It's it's part of the language. Yeah, you know if you're in the Washington Post, Outside Magazine, whomever, fastest known time is part of the language now. Yeah, I mean, I even think, you know, different sponsors are even offering bonuses for FKTs. But I also think it's it's such an important part of the sport because you cannot have a race in, you know, oh. national parks. And a lot of this, you know, remote, um, these remote places, this national forest. Uh, so I think it's really, it's really awesome. Uh, That's a heck of a point. Yeah. Look at Hard Rock. Right. 145 people. Right. That's... That's like your neighborhood 5K. <laughs> and this is a world-class course. Mm-hmm. But you can go out and do that anytime you want. It's an mm-hmm. FKT. You just can't get a Forest Service permit. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you're not going to get a race up Half Dome, Mount Whitney, et cetera, oh. et cetera, et cetera. So the cool, this is a very good point. And you're, this separates out, come to think of it, the Europe from North America to some degree. Because mm-hmm. in Europe, it's almost all fair game. Mm-hmm. Look, oh, yeah. Look at UTMB Circus. I forgot. Is it five races? Now I can't even keep track of how many races. There's, I think, 15,000 people coming to Sham for yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But here, uh, uh, Hard Rock, 145 people in Silverton. See, and I think that's why FKTs have blown up in the U.S. as well, is because our races are capped, whether it's, you know, we it's just different. Even like, Western states is capped. To, yeah, so exactly. So if you if you can't get into the races, I mean, and I mean, I coach athletes, so if they can't get into their goal race, well, cool, like, let's pick a route that you want to do and train for that. How is it any different from a race? You can still push yourself. And it's free. And it's free. And there's no lottery. And also, to be fair, you get to run by yourself. I'm. It's not my favorite to run with a bunch of different people. <laughs> Literally in Madeira. So you haven't entered New York City Marathon? Uh, 35,000 no. of your closest friends? Oh, boy. I was literally running. So Madeira starts at midnight. This is like maybe 4 a.m., maybe 2 a.m. We're going up this like second climb, which is another vertical kilometer. Every climb was a VK. <laughs> um, so so just, just VKs back to back? Oh, basically. By mile 26, we'd already climbed mm, 10,000, oh, 10, 11,000 feet. 
Yeah, it was pretty steep. But there was this Portuguese man on the phone in the middle of the night, like just like He's on the phone. just right next. I right, I thought he was talking to himself, but he was just right behind me. And of course, I passed him. And then he like tries to speed up to keep next to me. And then he's on the phone, and I understand a little bit of Portuguese. And he's like, yeah, I'm with the first woman right now. I'm like, <laughs> hang up the phone. I would like to be in the zone right now. <laughs> so FKTs, you don't have to deal with all the people. <laughs> wow. That, I'm, I'm, I'm searching for words. Uh, yeah, this is that's maybe, a good story. This is maybe why I like uh, self-supported FKTs was. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you get to do an FKT and you do the coolest routes that you... It's, illegal mm-hmm. to hold a race on secondly it's free mm-hmm. and thirdly there's not thirty-five thousand of your closest <laughs> friends around you you know what i think we got to start lotteries i think we, gotta, we need to make, we need to make some more money we need a better revenue stream here for fastest known time llc oh okay we're gonna start lottery entry you want to run rim to rim okay you have to enter our lottery and if you don't win a place you we won't count your fkt what do you think um I mean, maybe Iron Man's looking to buy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, Iron Man's owned by Chinese company. Though. No, I was just saying with because uh, they bought UTMV. Oh, right. <laughs> just kidding, though. <laughs> All right, they made bank. Okay, well, there's money in this sport, and it's not coming our way. But that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. We'll let that go for a while longer. And then, then we'll start the lottery interest. Must pay non-refundable fee to get an FKT. Uh, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I was, I was hoping for an appropriate response there. Okay, kidding aside, 2022, what do you see coming up? In 2022? Yeah. I mean, we're going to return to, I think, more normal racing. But also, I think, I mean, well, I just mentioned, you know, if UTMB is, you know, bought out and by by Ironman and there's a lot of different races that are being bought out to basically target um, UTMB for 2023, right? It's kind of changed this whole like gathering stone system. So if it maybe becomes a little bit too um, precarious or just too much of an issue to get into these, these highlight races, like for instance, Western states that have such a tight cap on the number. And states just affiliated too. Oh yeah. The world alter Alter tour. So what uh, the Palettis, the founders of UTMB, Wow, those guys, uh, the Mark Zuckerbergs of uh, <laughs> running. I mean, they, they created this empire. Yeah, so that's basically what's happening. So I think, I honestly think that it's going to trend more towards FKTs because I don't know about, I personally get a little bit sick of it. I mean, if it's like, and also where's the adventure if you just want to run the same races every year when there's so many different places to explore and whether, I mean, for me, I don't necessarily have to, I could do a route that is an FKT and just do it for fun as a training route or kind of add my own spin to it. Like I did this summer. And that to me is really fun. And, you know, even for preparing for a race or just in, in lieu of a race. Uh, Interesting. So it's kind of going broad. What's the word? The ends of the spectrum are becoming stronger. Mm-hmm. So on one end, the pro tour, it's a pro tour. Mm-hmm. I mean, do, you, to get into UTMB, you have to qualify. Mm-hmm. And to be a qualification race, you have to pay them. Yes, yeah, so you have to enter just a certain race. And it's going to end some of those races, especially in North America, they're some of the most competitive races to get into. Right. They, the race themselves have to kick in. Right. They just started one in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. A friend of mine just ran that. Oh, really? Yeah. His, he said it was... He got ninth place and was just over 30 hours. So it's a burly course. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
All right, watch out for the snakes. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> so there's that end of it. The pro end of it is going really strong. And mm-hmm. so what you're saying, that will be balanced out by the other end of it, the, well, it's not quite amateur, but the do-it-yourselfer, the DIYer. Mm-hmm. So you can do it yourself on the FKT mm-hmm. if you don't want to be part of the whole scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I see it continuing to grow, and hopefully they can, you know, complement each other, but... I mean, you know, if I if I'm someone that's putting in my, you know, the number a lottery ticket for Western State and how many years in a row and I still keep on getting denied, then I might as well just pick something else that I don't have to, you know, that I that I could guarantee to go do. And so, it's free. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And it's su- it's right. such a cool way to also I love I obviously love to travel just in the 50 states. I have I have a van now, so I mean, it's 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 the best way to explore. Right, right. Well, we will put in the written show notes links to your website. <laughs> because speaking of traveling, we had you on the podcast, when was it, a year ago? I forgot now. On your book. You have a great book out. Yeah. So we'll link to that. And what, give us a little pitch. Oh, my book? I mean, yes. I think people know. Um, but, yeah, it's just basically, I like to say it's just a story of, you know, just human resilience. So it's, you know, obviously I had a huge accident. It's not something that happens very often of a runner falling 150 feet. But that happened to me during one of my races, um, this sky running race uh, in Norway, the famous one that Killian and Emily designed. Um and, you know, it's at this point, it changed my life. And I think many of us have these defining moments. And I think there are opportunities to learn from and to become stronger, to become better. And that's what I hope to convey in my book. It's an honest book. Yeah. It's, it's an honest read. It's not a whitewash. It's not, oh, aren't we all groovy? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't really deal well with that. <laughs> I'm honest to a fault, I think. <laughs> So it's a recommended read. We'll link to that on the website. And, of course, you've done book tours, speaking of traveling. Mm-hmm. And you have your blog now, which is mm-hmm. thoughtful writing, Hillary. Thank you very much. It's been, and you too, Buzz. What Do you have any? I can't wait to hear this new FKT thing. Okay. Well, I have. This is a good moment to proposition you. Oh, gosh. Okay. I, okay. <sighs> Got to take a couple. <laughs> my heart is pounding in my chest. Here we are, live, so to speak, on air. Would you like to climb Mont Blanc? Oh my gosh, I would love to. Oh, I'm so relieved. (laughs) Listeners, boy, did you hear my heart just being out of my chest there? Here I am, propositioning Hillary on air, and I think you've accepted. I would love that. I've I've lived in France for a year and a half, and I never got to climb it. First week in July. All right, let's do it. Excellent. I'm so happy that you've made my day. (laughs) It's made my day, too. Are we going to do an FKT? (laughs) Um, (laughs) there's this guy, this guy, uh, I can't remember his name. It starts with a K. Right, same here. There's this girl, I can't remember her name. Yeah, I think she (laughs) lives in Norway now. Um, But uh, the names will come back to us. I think they they might be a little quicker than us. But hey, we we can maybe uh, bring, we can maybe add a multi-sport to this. We can add a multi-sport. And we we have our own style. We can, uh, we'll we'll bring some uh, liquid refreshments for the summit. All right, that sounds great. We'll do that. <laughs> this is this is good, and we'll be back for the podcast next week. God, we almost forgot to talk about fastest known time of the year, mm-hmm. and we'll go through the nominations list next week. See who's cool. See who's got it. See what we think about it. Mm-hmm. And listeners should know the fastest known time of the year is going to be different this year, in that we're going worldwide. 
which is really cool. I think it's, it's exciting. Instead of a North America list and a Europe list, this is the world list. It's all going to be together. All the voting will be together. And definitely go to the website. There will be an article with the draft nominations list on the website that you can review. And so if we've missed anything, you can comment. You can say what you think is cool. So we look forward to your comments. I can't wait. This is literally my favorite time of the year. Nice. <laughs> nice. So we'll be back, Hillary and I back next week, and talking about the fastest known time of the year nomination list. And for right now, you ready to go for our bike ride? Yeah, let's go. It's actually going to be nice and sunny out in December. Thanks. <laughs>